Hi, welcome to the first episode of the Sweet Valley Online podcast. I'm Wing. I'm Dove. And I'm Raven. Hi, I'm Dove, and I'm the idiot who brought this all together because I thought that it would be funny to watch Wing recap something as massively offensive as Sweet Valley Twins. Hi, I'm Raven. Uh, I am married to Dove. Uh, she brought me into this, uh, kicking and screaming, to get the vaunted male perspective on uh, the Sweet Valley Twins book. I had never read a Sweet uh, Valley book before. I had no preconceived notions going in, but I have definite opinions now. Hi, I'm Wing. I also have never read the books and had no preconceived notions, except that I hate pastels and contemporary fiction. I used to feud with R.L. Stein at Point Horror, but now I'm feuding with Dove because she made me do this. I honestly don't know why I thought this would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it would be so much fun, and, and then I reread the books, and it's just so utterly offensive. I'm amazed that I've still got a best friend and a husband out of this, and we're only three books in. <laughs> well, it has been fun so far. I'm looking forward to, to, to doing more. Excellent, because I was going to ask how, how you two are enjoying doing this, because obviously I've read the first 80 or so of these, and so I know where it's going. Um, but you guys are reading it for the very first time as, as adults, so it's a bit different for you guys. So how are you enjoying it? Personally, I currently hate the twins. Um, that is probably not a popular opinion, or it might be the most popular opinion, who knows. Um, Jessica is pure evil. And Elizabeth is massively enabling her evil ways. Um, I am firmly on the side of team peripheral character. There are a number of characters that I do like in the book, but they're the ones that are—they're the ones that the things happen to, rather than the, the drivers of the story. I am not enjoying the reading of the books, uh, as probably evidenced by the fact that every other book, Wing goes boom. I am really enjoying the recapping, though. I do love recapping with Dove in general, as we used to do over Point Horror, Point Horror and still do. But Raven's viewpoint is, A, hilarious, but B, also really interesting to see how he reacts to these things. And I finally understand why people are so entertained when Wing goes boom, because I have a great time watching him go boom. So I get it now, even though, yes, I hate the books and I hate the twins and I hate the Wakefield family and would set Sweet Valley on fire if I could. Strangely, there's not actually a super edition about, you know, an angry woman who sets the town aflame. But, you know, if we ask Raven nicely, you might write fanfic for us. Side project. There's, there's still time. <laughs> So why don't you talk a little bit about how Sweet Valley and Sweet Valley High came to be. She were really into this growing up, and as we've said, we are coming to it with fresh eyes as adults, but you kind of have backstory on the actual meta of how this is a series and how Francine Pascal did and did not write things. So tell us a little bit about, about that. Well, I have to say I was never particularly involved with Sweet Valley High. I read about 25 of them, but... My heart was always with Sweet Valley Twins, and the story that I've read online most commonly is that um, Francine Pascal went to a meeting with Bantam Books, and they said, what kind of ideas have you got? And she said, how about a teen soap opera centering around some identical twins and their adventures in love and so forth? And Bantam went, brilliant, excellent, yeah, brilliant, how many do you want to write? And Francine went, um, none. And um, so they just hired a fleet of ghostwriters. And as far as I know, Francine would just send an outline for each book and 
a ghostwriter would uh, obligingly write to spec. And um, once it hit popularity, there were spin-offs like the Sweet Valley Twins, the Sweet Valley Kids, Sweet Valley University, Sweet Valley... I can never remember whether it's junior or senior year. So all sorts of Sweet Valley nonsense. I think that's a really great way to uh, to have all the fun of creating a series, but to do none of the legwork whatsoever. I said, I'm, I'm just the ideas person. I'll send out the ideas. You, you, I, I give you the magic. You, you, you just work in the minds, in the word minds, and get those books out. Thank you very much, little minions. Pat them on the head. Yeah, how do I go about becoming Francine Pascal? Like, now I know what I want to do when I grow up. Well, to be fair, you are make, making both myself and Wing dance for you like puppets, so you are sort of like Francine. Step one achieved. <laughs> Good job. We're the people you're practicing on before you go to get other minions. That sounds fantastic. We are the pre-minions. I do think it's fantastic that it gives her so much control, too, because uh, when we were talking about this the other day, Deb was telling me that that's part of why uh, there's such formulaic aspect to it, both because that's how you write books like these, but also because uh, Pascal's outline was really strict in what they could and could not write. So the ghostwriters, whether they've written before or not, are within really tight confines. And I think that makes sense because she wanted this idea. She didn't want to write it, so it gives her a lot of control. But I think it also explains why there's so much continuity issues, not just in the books, like within each book itself, but between the other books. Because you have, if you have an outline like that, I imagine the feeling is you don't really need to go read earlier books because everything is right there in front of you, which is how things like dove spoiler that later there'll be a series or books in the series about the twins getting their ears pierced when in a book recently that we've recapped that's not up as you're listening to this she's stealing earrings that you'd have to have your ears pierced to wear so those kind of details are things you're not going to pick up if you're just writing to whatever outline you're given that month i think that's quite um quite a useful thing from a series point of view because when um, coming from like some uh, um, a comics background, it's it's very difficult to jump into any series around that when you've got so much continuity and so much backstory to to go from, which is why a lot of um, <laughs> I remember reading a lot of comics back in the day where the the artwork would get smaller and smaller because the footnotes to each one was see episode this for this this fact and see episode that for that fact. Um, it, 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 when you have to revise when you go into a book. <laughs> Rather than an exam, then it's 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 not a very um, welcoming welcoming series to have. So I can sort of understand why why the um, the, the 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 way they've set it up does mean that it is very accessible to new readers, which is you know it, it's a positive. On that note, I I really wish that you Raven had written the uh, standard description, you know, on page one of how the twins are both identical and totes different. I just. <laughs> Jessica is a mollusk. Fair enough. Well, thank you for that. I'm pretty sure that the, uh, uh, over the, the rest of the series, because that paragraph is probably contractually obliged to be in every single one, as cut and paste, get a few thesaurus words in there and just change it. Um, on that note, because of the formulaic nature, I'm, I'm looking forward to the later, series, later books in the series when it's obvious that Pascal's been phoning in the ideas. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, I've got to do this again. Right, okay, Jessica and Jessica goes to the shops and someone combs the hair. So there we go, that'll do. <laughs> and on, on, the, on your side, it must be quite demoralising for the, the actual um, ghostwriters to go, oh, really? I've got to write about this crap this week? Okay, fair enough. 
Jessica goes to the shops and buys a brush. And so on. Well, she does owe Elizabeth a brush. <laughs> yes, I beg your pardon. That's true. Yes, Jessica goes into Elizabeth's room and steals the brush. And well done, Wing. You've just continuityed better than anyone who wrote the series. <laughs> I am obsessive like that. Uh, I think the comics analogy is really interesting because one of the things that Dove warned us before we started this is that we'll have ten Christmases without a year actually advancing. And in series books like this, you do see that. You keep going back through the same events, but they don't ever let them age so you have a year with 10 Christmases. Whereas in comics, you have these things happen, but then every so often they reboot the whatever book you're reading. And so suddenly it's the all brand new X-Men with a new backstory. And you can't really do that with this sort of series because the readers aren't used to that the way comics readers are. So it ties your hands even more. And the only way you can do these multiple types of Christmas stories to tell different stories is to just have multiple Christmases, which is annoying as a reader, but it does make sense if you look at it from a writing perspective, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think with that, the, um, the the reboot thing, that in a way they do it across the whole Sweet Valley um, genre, if you like, and that they'll go, right, okay, we have the Sweet Valley High. We've written that to death. Let's find another time period that we can reboot the stories in. Okay, we'll now go to the Sweet Valley Twins, and then we'll go to Sweet Valley in the OAP's home down the line, and we'll go to Sweet Valley in this place and Sweet Valley in space. And, you know, Sweet Valley Sweet Valley and Jessica's being locked in prison for murder or something. Uh, so there is a sort of rebooting in that. Um, yeah. And that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, and also, I really want Raven to reboot Sweet Valley because Sweet Valley in space or Sweet Valley in prison. <laughs> I need that. I need those three real things that I could recap. Isn't that just Orange in the new, uh, Orange is the New Black? Yeah. You know that, like, Jessica would just be in this nasty clique that go around stabbing all the new girls. So, <laughs> yeah, it'd be frightening to see those guys in prison. The penitentiary unicorns. <laughs> Again, um, if I'm quite happy to set up a fanfic area of the site if you just want to write down every idea you have. Well, as I've said, side project later on, maybe. Uh, so one of the things that happens a lot when we complain about these is that Dove comes to us and says, hey, you know, the books later in the series are really wonderful. You just have to slog through these terrible ones. So, Dove, why don't you tell us a bit about why you do like them? Because it's obvious that our perspectives are new, and in my case, usually very angry and Raven angry too, but you keep telling us how much you love the series, even as the books are terrible. So why do you like it? I, to be honest, I, I really don't know. Like, what, Usually when I like a book series, I have a, a list of hundreds of reasons why I like it, and all I can assume is this got to me too early for me to become immune. Like, I got infected when I was about 9 or 10, and I've... It's, you know, it's just never going away. But um, it does have more interesting books. Um, I think the first 20 or 30 of them are just about let's pick on the new kid because they're different, uh, which is a bit frustrating. But um, there are spin-off books which have ghosts in them. And obviously I used to, well, I still do, but I love horror and I always bought horror books as a kid, and that's actually why I started this. I read The Haunted House was my first Sweet Valley Twins. So I, I do like the spin-offs because they actually 
tell a story that isn't just about bullying someone, which is quite nice. Um, and all of the rip-offs like Big for Christmas, which is just a rip-off of Big, or A Life Without Elizabeth, which is a retelling of It's a Wonderful Life and things like that. So I like that. But when I was new in fandom, I always liked it when people would do a fandom version of A Christmas Carol. So possibly that's part of why I like those kind of books as well. Can I just come in and say... Is it? Did you just say that they called the rip-off of Big, Big for Christmas? I did, yeah. There's no imagination been put into that at all. Well, there was, because Big was written all in capitals. <laughs> like, it's the capitals that make it so clever. Big was written in Big. Yeah, it works on a number of levels, Raven. <laughs> My word. I do, that's uh, intriguing to me that you like it because of the supernatural aspects of it and that we'll see supernatural aspects when so rarely we see that in point horror and uh, a similar level to sweet valley i used to read the babysitters club when i was a kid and they always would have super specials that were kind of the haunted house or whatever but it was never actually haunted there was never a supernatural aspect to it so it's really fun that there are supernatural things coming ahead of us it's just the slog through the first books are terrible so speaking of first books, we at the point that people will listen to this, we'll have had three recaps up, one by each of us. So of the three books we read and recapped, what was your favorite and what was your least favorite, Raven? My favorite was The Haunted House. Um, I enjoyed that a lot, um, um, contextually, obviously. In, in the scope of my enjoyments, that got the highest percentage. Um, uh, as I said before, I am definitely on um, team peripheral character, and the the um, McCandies and the, is the McCandies is that their name? Yes. Yes. I calling them. I kept calling them the McCreedies in the recap, and there was a lots of cut and paste and search and replace to do that. Um, the McCandies are a, a nice family, and Nora's life has just been an absolute horror show from beginning of the story to the end. And it was like, here's Sweet Valley, we're going to drop somebody whose backstory is the apocalypse into their lives. And in a way, it sort of brought into stark relief just how vapid the entire thing was. <laughs> She's got dead parents and um, reclusive grandparents who are, you know, addled by um, illness and, and so on. And, and they turned out to be lovely, lovely people. So, uh, yeah, that was my def definitely my favourite. Uh, as for least favourite, hmm, I'd probably have to say the first one, um, because the first one for me had uh, a lot of the fat shaming in this, I'm sure um, you guys are going to cover when you talk about it, but for me, the, the most egregious thing was, because it was the first one, they had to do the, the peppering of um, surnames through every single character, and it seemed like every page of what is a very, very short book had four or five characters with surnames that you have to remember. It's, in a way, it was like the, um, the problem with pilot episodes of shows. And you sit there and they've got to put this backstory in to get people um, who are fans of the other series of the shows, like Street Valley High. Um, but they've also got to engage the readers. And that balance is really, really tricky. Um, to, 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 to get right and I don't think they did uh, what about you um, um, Dove uh, I pretty much agree with everything Raven said um, as I've said The Haunted House was the first one I ever read so I have a certain fondness for that um, and 
I tend to side with poor bullied characters. So, um, yeah. And I also agree that the first one was just not a good book. And aside from peppering with surnames and it just being word soup of this is the universe, I don't know why so many people stuck with it with that as an opening book because it was just incredibly boring as Elizabeth just pathetically clung and tried to convince herself that she wanted to do everything that Jessica did all the while in her brain going god my twin's shallow and an idiot so it's it's a good thing that 12 year olds well their target audience aren't quite as discerning as as adults because I'm not sure how many people would have uh, stuck with it or at least in the 90s. I guess just to interject, I think that's uh, probably uh, a benefit of the fact that the that they are largely standalone and the continuity, continuity and um, running order isn't particularly um, uh, important, although they, the, a book does see the next book, which I find quite charming. Um, so I'd be, I'd, I'd be interested to find out how many people who are fans of the series actually started with the first book, because that's not necessarily the way that they came to the uh, to, to Sweet Valley Middle School and met these lovely cast of characters. That was going to be what I said, too. I actually bet most people didn't start with book one, both because in some ways it had a built-in audience for people who were maybe a little too young for Sweet Valley High or who were just so set and uh, loyal to the series that they were going to buy anything. But also, I imagine a lot of people came to it new like you did, where there was a particular book farther down the line that caught your attention and then they went back to the beginning because series like this are usually sold to publishers in chunks so you'd have a guaranteed five books or first ten books that are going to be published and at that point readers can come in at any place because Raven made the good point about continuity and each one is kind of a standalone uh, and then you can go back to the beginning so it doesn't really matter how terrible book one is and it was terrible to segue it of course was my least favorite too uh, obviously because of the body shaming and my uh, Wingo's dude moments throughout it but also some of the points that Raven made and things like as they're introducing this world uh, not only do they have to pepper it with, or not only did they think they had to pepper it with all the characters we will ever see going forward which is not true but also there were things where they're trying to tell the reader how things work in this world but then it just makes the characters look really wrong. Like there's a point where Steven is really shocked that his sisters are dressed alike except the backstory is that they've been dressing alike every day for 12 years so how are you just now surprised that they're dressing alike or just now complaining about it? So because they're trying to teach the readers that this is a thing that the girls used to do and it's really a big deal that they're not doing it now it kind of makes Steven look like he's been checked out of his sister's lives for 12 years, which, fair enough, maybe he was checked out for 12 years, because I certainly would be, even though he's also terrible. But he's also obsessed with Jessica, so I'm pretty sure he noticed what she's been wearing for 12 years. I think possibly Steven just sees what he wants to see. Um, all throughout Sweet Valley High, um, in one of the early books, his girlfriend dies of leukemia, and that in itself is quite sad. But Every five book, books or so, a character will pop up who looks just like his dead girlfriend, and he starts dating her and trying to make her act like his dead girlfriend. So I think Stephen sees what he wants to see, and I think what you just brought up is probably an indication at an early age of what's going to happen later. Can I just please, please tell me that the, the girlfriend who dies of leukemia isn't Nora? 
No, it's not Nora. Good. That's good. I just didn't want her life to get any worse. Yeah, she's not in Sweet Valley High, actually. I Is she guess not? maybe she turned into a bat and flew away or something. Maybe, maybe the McCandley's actually sawed her in half. <laughs> Dove broke my heart the other day in a conversation because she said we don't really see Nora again after oh, no. uh, the book After the Haunted House, which... Yeah, I loved her, and I was very sad. I guess which is a good segue into what I like best. I did, of course, love the Haunted House story best. You know, there's still some fat shaming, and there's terrible bullying. Nora and her grandparents are wonderful. Their backstory is heartbreaking. The fact that they are still learning, or she's still learning magic from her grandfather, even though he can't do it anymore, is really sweet. But I do have a super soft spot for the second book because of all the ballet in it. Even though the ballet is handled terribly, <laughs> and I kept having to go off into explanations of how this actually works, I love ballet. So it was kind of fun to see that, even in a really messed up sort of way. Madame Andre should be fired into the sun. I agree, <laughs> but the ballet itself is always fun to see. I was quite impressed at how much Raven hated Madame Andre. Just brilliant. I was absolutely livid. I was sat in the work canteen, reading the book on my Kindle on my lunch hour, and I actually went, no, when the whole story came out. There was no guile to the whole thing. It was just, these are the words I've written. This is what actually happened. Uh, I was fuming. People looked around at me, and then I went back to eating my chips. So. That's a delightful story. Also, that's one of the things I really like about your perspective, Raven, is that you do focus on things with the teachers and how good or bad they're teaching and that sort of storyline, which is not something that Dove or I usually focus on because we're really here for the, the teen characters or here the preteen characters. So I like that you bring that perspective to it because it's not something I would have thought about. But as soon as you comment on it, I'm like, yes, that's exactly a problem. Or yes, that's a really good point. So that's pretty awesome. Well, thank you very much. He is still going to bring up Mr. Nydick in, in every single recap, I'm sure of it. That is correct, and uh, you know, until his actual crimes are brought to light and we get to hear what his sentencing was, then Mr. Nydick will be uh, a running joke. I mean, that's a pretty telling thing to just drop in a sentence of the first book and then never come back to. What did they think we were going to assume? I mean, possibly not that, because this was not during the height of all of the uh, teachers marrying student scandals. But still, come on, what did you expect was going to come from that? Yeah, it was a very, very, very flippant throwaway comment. And it's like, really? I would base the series on this. <laughs> yeah, but you also want to see a series where, well, tell everyone all of your thoughts on. <laughs> <laughs> tell everyone all of my thoughts. Thank you. Thank you very much. We have half an hour. I don't know if you're going to be telling. <laughs> is, is that some sort of uh, dig at me? You've got half an hour. Just empty your brain. <laughs> I think the main theory that I would like to see is that, although it could be quite bleak, um, the twins aren't actually twins. The entire series is, is all in Elizabeth's mind, that she's an only child who is perhaps beaten by, <laughs> by the elder Wakefields and locked in a broom cupboard, a la uh, Harry Potter, and the entire series is a coping mechanism for her. Um, yes, that's bleak, but if they can go to bleak with, uh, with Nora and her terrible life, it's only one step away from that, and Stephen's girlfriend dying of leukemia and uh, other things that are, are being foreshadowed by Dove will uh, definitely lend credence to the fact that they're not, not afraid to, to embrace the bleakness, shall we say. That's actually a really good theory that you can actually reason out because that would then explain why Elizabeth 
is the good guy uh, in finger quotes there, which nobody can see because this is a podcast. Um, but she never actually does good things because she's using like a 12 year old's very limited reasoning on what the good guy is supposed to do to save the day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to subs- subscribe to uh, Raven's theory. That actually makes a lot of sense. Thank you very That's much. Right. Uh, another thing that I think makes a lot of sense with that is that um, a lot of Elizabeth's good guy actions are to save Jessica from doing things. So that could be perceived in the, the bleak world as whenever her actual constructs that she has come up with to cope with life are being pressured by the outside um, realities of what's happening, then she has to, as herself, her core self, the Elizabeth character in her fantasies, go out of the way to make sure that none of the fantasies are proven to be wrong. Otherwise, the entire world will crumble around her and she'll be sat in the bleak uh, under under the stairs cupboard with the hanging light bulb and the dead rats on the floor while the Wakefields are outside eating caviar with Stephen and his girlfriend, or whatever they do. I really love this theory for uh, that reason, but also because you could write it in a way that it's not, oh, she's a crazy person having these crazy delusions. This is an active uh, response to negative stimuli outside of her internal life that she's trying to save herself. And I love stories like that where you cannot tell whether it's real or fake, all of that Buffy episode where she is in an insane asylum and this vampire slaying part's not actually real or is it? But I hated the fact that they're writing her off as crazy because of it. Like, I like this idea that you can tell the story and it's a way of her coping and surviving versus, oh, she's just got a split personality, which is this way that they probably would write it. So I like Raven's version of the bleak world, but I'm pretty sure they would just mess it up and I would go boom a lot if it was actually how the story was written. That could be a new podcast topic. Every every podcast, we review the last three books we read and how they fall into the bleak world and which particular plot points emphasize Raven's theory. Fantastic. That sounds like a, a plan. Sweet Valley Low. <laughs> God damn, you're not that funny. <laughs> I actually want to point that out, too, as kind of a behind-the-scenes look. Uh, when... Dove and I recap together. Dove is the funny one by far. Dove is now throwing fits because Raven has usurped her position as the funny one. And it is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Every time she gets pissed off that he is going to be funnier than she is. Thank you very much for that. But I will say, if that's the case, I've got very big clown shoes to fill there. So Yes, Wing. Thank you very much for bringing that up. The thing is, the other day, uh, Dove came to me and said, don't you get super frustrated that he's the funny one and he's taking all of this? And I'm sitting here like, well, no, because I'm used to you being the funny one. I'm just here for random facts. So, yeah, I think they're both hilarious, and I'm glad they're here because I don't really do the same sort of humor they do. Though after our Point Horror podcast, a bunch of people came to me and said, no, no, you're really funny. Well, I don't agree with that. But if I am, I'm funny in a different way. But I am loving that they're both trying, or not maybe trying, but it seems like sometimes there's some one-upping going on here where Raven says something super funny and then Dove has to come back with something great. And I get entertainment from that, so I'm pretty pleased with the situation. You've basically just described our marriage. And I will say, Wing, that you are definitely funny, and I only hang with the cool kids, so I think... I'm having a lot of fun doing these recaps and long may it continue. Yeah. Why do you think I provoke you so much? There is nothing funnier than you dissolving into 
just explosive fury. And these are my best friends, guys. This is the life I lead. This is the life you chose. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. You don't get the recap uh, as you need. You, you get the recap as you deserve. So now that we've sat here patting each other's backs, which I'm sure you're thrilled to listen to, uh, I just want to bring this to a close and say that I, as much as I hate the books, I really do love recapping with uh, Dove and Raven. It's been a great experience. And we're only in month one, and we're scheduled out through 2021, so we'll be here a while, guys. Uh, Super grateful to all the readers who followed us over from Point Horror and all the new readers, too, because... I learned to my surprise that as soon as we started recapping Sweet Valley Twins, people came out of the woodwork in my life who had loved the series or hated the series when they were kids, but were really excited to see people recapping it instead of Sweet Valley High. So it was a fantastic surprise. Thank you guys so much for your enthusiastic support. It's been wonderful. Yes, likewise, uh, this has been lots and lots of fun. Um, I don't quite have the same altruistic uh, reasons for reaching out to people um, via this podcast. I'm just really hoping that this entire experience will get the um, buggers who borrowed my books and never gave them back to post them back to me. (laughs) Well, if that's all you need, that's fair. Um, Yeah, I'm really enjoying this so far. It's great. Uh, I'm new to recapping. Um, I'm new to the series, but I'm having a lot of fun. And while I do hate a number of the characters, I have to say... I am enjoying the books, and when I finish one, because they're so so um, compact, bite-sized, and cute, it's, uh, it's, it's always nice to, to know that I can go on to the next one pretty much straight away. So, uh, yeah, interesting to find out what you guys think of the podcast, and uh, long may the recapping continue. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next month with three more recaps, plenty of people going boom, and another podcast. See you guys. Bye.